0: Welcome to Little Universe, the podcast where we discuss miniature marvels, small spaces, and interior worlds. My name is Hannah Heitman, and in May of 2021, I self-published a book titled Little Universe that focused on similar subject matter, but I wanted to create this podcast to do a deep dive on topics that I didn't get much of a chance to explore in the book. This season, we are focusing on maladaptive daydreaming, which I mentioned in passing in the Little Universe book when I was discussing paracosms, but it's such an important topic that I wanted to give it more space. This episode will give you a general overview of what maladaptive daydreaming is. In short, maladaptive daydreaming is a condition in which daydreaming becomes uncontrollable and impedes daily life. It sounds like a romantic affliction, like something a Victorian woman might die of in an old novel. But maladaptive daydreaming can be incredibly painful, and this is not helped by the fact that there is so little research being done on the condition. One of the few people who is researching maladaptive daydreaming is Dr. Eli Summer, who actually coined the term in 2002. I had the opportunity to interview Dr. Summer. I will now play that interview. Dr. Summer, thank you so much for joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: I'm a clinical psychologist uh, from uh, the University of Haifa in Israel. Um, and I've been uh, working with uh, survivors of trauma uh, and dissociation for many years. And it is in this uh, practice that I discovered um, um, this phenomenon called maladaptive daydreaming.
0: What sparked your interest in maladaptive daydreaming?
1: Well, uh, I just, it was a coincidence that I uh, noticed that uh, uh, within one particular cohort of my patients, uh, five or six six of them reported simultaneously at the same same period of time, uh, being uh, completely immersed in their own fantasy. you know, it caught my attention because several reported it parallelly. So I um, uh, explored it uh, with them. Their inner worlds, their uh, their fantasies. And since this was unusual in terms of the time invested and the vividness of the um, of the fantasies, I just decided to describe it in a uh, in a clinical paper. Uh, and I thought at the time, because my practice is um, uh, dedicated to survivors of trauma, I thought at the time that this was perhaps a dissociative mechanism for coping with trauma. Only later, I found out that trauma is not a necessary condition. Although maladaptive daydreaming is, uh, is um, more prevalent among survivors of trauma. Many individuals who have had no trauma history simply discover this ability and uh, become sort of um, uh, habituated to practicing this mental activity because of its, uh, the, the, the pleasure involved in it.
0: <clears throat> How is maladaptive daydreaming diagnosed? Well,
1: um, it is not yet an official disorder. Uh, and descri- it's not described yet in any of the major um, uh, mental health uh, uh, guidebooks. Uh, so we have we have proposed some some initial initial criteria. Uh, There is a screening instrument called the the 16 item maladaptive daydreaming scale. Uh, And we have shown that uh, when people scoring above a certain cutoff score, and for example, the average score of 40 uh, are more likely to have maladaptive daydreaming. But this is um, diagnosis is never based on self-report or questionnaire. So what we've also proposed a set of diagnostic criteria and uh, to to make the diagnosis, one needs to conduct a structured clinical interview to follow the guidelines of this interview to determine if the necessary, the suggested necessary diagnostic criteria are present or not. So, that, you know, these the criteria would include, for example, of course, the, the propensity to, uh, and the ability, the straight for vivid fantasy, um, but also the, uh, the yearning, the, um, I mean, there are several symptoms associated with it and it must they must also be uh, present for the, the, the sense of, uh, of compulsion or sense of sort of addiction to it. And the, um, I would say the uh, distress or the uh, dysfunction that it may create. This must be assessed independently. And of course, uh, in a, such an interview, the clinician must rule out that this, um, whatever is presented by, the interviewee is not better explained by another existing mental health condition. So this is how it is diagnosed.
0: What is the process for getting maladaptive daydreaming recognized as a disorder?
1: Well, research, of course. uh, um, uh, There is uh, the American Psychiatric. I mean, there are two main uh, bodies Uh, that sort of uh, create these handbooks for diagnosis. One is American uh, based in Washington and the American Psychiatric Association. And the other is is international European based in Geneva associated with the World Health Organization. So one is called, the, the first is called the DSM and the latter is called the ICD, the International Classification of Diseases. Uh, so uh, when a new uh, version, edition of such a manual is being considered, usually the, um, the um, uh, sort of leaders of this a- effort uh, advertise a call for a new suggestions, new disorders, and they review the existing evidence uh, that would justify adding a new, a new, uh, diagnostic um, uh, category. Uh, <clears throat> in the case of maladaptive daydreaming, there is now um, a serious body of accumulating evidence that uh, it is uh, a reliably diagnosed condition that is distinct from other disorders and that it is pathological and not normal um, uh, daydreaming or mind wandering. But uh, <clears throat> We don't know enough yet about the mechanisms involved in this, the brain mechanisms. And also one um, drawback of the literature in this field is that uh, most of the published studies are uh, associated with me or my, uh, so so we need more independent uh, research groups to corroborate and validate our findings it's not just not convincing if all the findings come from one research group
0: since there are so few treatment options for those suffering from maladaptive daydreaming disorder many turn to online spaces to get support from others with the condition Kristen Fitzgerald, a mother who has MDD, is very active in these online support groups. She's even a moderator for the Maladaptive Daydreaming subreddit. Kristen was kind enough to sit down with me and talk about her experience with MDD. Can you tell me a little bit about your background?
2: Like, in general? (laughs) Yeah, just
0: however you want to, whatever you're comfortable with sharing.
2: Um, background. I don't know. I, um, I grew up in New England with two sisters and a brother. I had to think about that for a minute. (laughs) Went to college. Um, as far as MD goes, like I, I, I always knew that I had something like that going on. And then like middle school age, started realizing I wasn't outgrowing it, got worried. I kept thinking I would grow out of it, you know, when I get to high school, when I get to college, when I get a boyfriend and none of that ever happened. Um, and then I'm out of college and, you know, working. Um, and that went well, I was good at my job. Um, like I said, I was a photographer, but not like a cool photographer. I was like a monkey with a camera for like children. I um, <laughs> was such a fun job. It was, but, um, But but even there, like, you know, I got passed over for promotions, turned down um, work opportunities and stuff because I didn't want to change my lifestyle. I met my husband in college. um, So he was with me through a lot of that. And then he wasn't my husband at the time, but we eventually got married. (laughs) and had a child and I didn't even tell him until like after our son was born about the MD. Like we had been together for nine years before I ever said anything about it. Uh, But he's been very supportive. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, he he got a job and we had to move, lived with my in-laws for a hot minute. Then we got our own place and yeah, it's been good. So I don't, you know, I'm, middle-aged white chick living in suburbia. I think pretty, pretty standard life history. Can you tell me about what having
0: MD is like?
2: What it's like? Um, it's like <laughs> always in the background. So I think if you don't have MD or something like MD, um, that's just always there It it would be like if you carried around your phone, right? Or if you had Google Glass or something and you were just constantly binging some Netflix series. And like when you do something else, the volume gets quieter and the, the image becomes less clear. But as soon as you're like not actively suppressing it, it's just right there again, constantly. For me anyway i know people have different experiences but that's what it's like for me it's always right there and it just sneaks around whenever i'm not like pushing it down which you know i mean might sound cool at first but you get pretty irritated with it i think personally. uh because yeah i don't know It just always just always pops up at the weirdest not even weird times just any time I'm only, you're only ever half paying attention to anything. You're just constantly divided. And sometimes you're like this side, you know, takes up more space, and sometimes this side takes up more space, but it's always a weird balance.
0: How does MD
2: impact your daily life? I mean, that's mm, it's so integral to my character because <laughs> I've been this way my whole life that it's, it's really hard to rip it out or separate it from anything else in my life. You know, like how does my red hair impact my life? It's just part of me that sort of has a foot in everything I do, whether, you know, you're aware of it or not. But I think probably the most problematic bits for me is, um, one the forgetfulness because you're only ever half paying attention so I forget everything and um and that leads to a lot of relationship issues like I've had fights with my husband because he doesn't feel like I'm ever listening to him because uh, I mean I'm not (laughs) but not not because I don't like him not because I don't care about what he says it just it just happens I'm just sort of you know it's always buzzing right there um i mean it's better now now that i've told him about the md now that i'm like taking active steps to manage it he's very supportive but before he knew about it i i was just you know a jerk who never listened to him and never cared about what he said and he didn't understand why um that sort of seeps in it seeps into friendships like i'm i have friends you know that like me and i like them but even there like they know not to rely on me. I'm not the reliable friend, I'm not the friend who can just do things. I'm not the friend who's gonna say yes to every invitation, um, which I've been putting work into. But, um, but yeah, just not really the person. You're not the friend you wanna be. You're not the parent you wanna be. Now that I have a son, you know, he's like, like, I don't want to play cars with you. I wanna lock myself in the bedroom for four hours, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, and I, I just, I, I don't want to watch him walk down the aisle at his wedding and be like, wow, I barely know this guy. I never spent the time to play with him as a child and get to know him. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big fear of my big motivation for like managing it. Um, oh God, back to the forgetfulness. like. <laughs> I've spent a small fortune in like late fees for just missing appointments, you know, doctor's appointments for my baby (laughs) and dentist appointments and stuff. My dentist called this up and was like, if you no call, no show us again, we're not your dentist anymore. Like go find someone else who will put up with your bullshit. They didn't say that, but I mean, they said that. So yeah, I would say those those are the more troublesome bits.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about what it's like to have MD as a parent?
2: It's hard to talk about MD and parenting because <laughs> I don't want to make myself sound like a neglectful parent, you know, because I'm, I'm not, not really, but it is hard when like, especially when they're little, right? Music is so like integral to maladaptive daydreaming i don't need it to do it but you know it it just it kind of makes it more vivid more immersive when we're like driving down the road and your five-year-old is just like throwing questions at you and you're just like shut up oh my god i'm trying to listen to the radio but i don't want to be the person who yells at him because he interrupted me on the fourth playthrough of this song (laughs) like And it's just constant, it's a a lot of constant anger and irritation because kids require so much and they interrupt you so much. You know, it's, it's, I I need a juice, I need a snack. I spilled my juice, Uh, look at this Lego thing. What's that? The dog made a funny noise, constantly. And they, and because, you know I might not be doing anything important maybe I'm just doing the dishes or something but I'm not just doing the dishes I'm not ever just doing one thing. There's always this right there And then he interrupts it and it's like, and then he interrupts it again. And now I'm a bit annoyed and then he interrupts it again. Now I'm pissed and he interrupts it again. And there's no reason to be snapping at him when all he did was ask me for juice, but I was daydreaming. But when it gets curved like that, it just, I don't know, I I guess you could call it withdrawal. It just, oh, it gets to you. And I don't want to be that like angry mom who's yelling at him for no reason. That's probably the biggest thing with the parenting. I'm always kind of side-eyeing him too, like looking for signs of it. <laughs> um, he doesn't seem to have it. I don't know what I would even do if like it looked like he did, um, but I'm always kind of watching out for it. But I think he inherited his father's imagination, so he's probably fine.
0: Can you describe what your daydreams are like how in however much detail you're comfortable with?
2: Um, mine are like a never-ending TV series, I guess, Um, literally never-ending. I've had the same sort of paracosm or internal world or whatever you want to call it, the same ongoing like narrative for 30 years, probably over 30 years, because I've been doing this um, for as long as I can remember, and I'm 36 now. I still have some of the same characters I had when I was five years old like I've grown up with them they've had kids too grandkids even um so there's a really deep emotional connection there uh the themes themselves you know I mean it's an ongoing series like a lot's happened there's a lot of backstories it's a huge universe that's pretty you know detailed there's countries there's different systems of government there's different religions and languages and cultures species too because mine's a bit sci-fi they've always been pretty violent as well mine Uh, at first you know it was just like you know because i was a kid it was like good guys versus bad guys it was like the rebels versus the empire and then as I got older, it's sort of, they lost that war and it sort of turned into like this Battlestar Galactica, like <laughs> refugee train kind of thing. And then now that I'm older, they have found an, a new place to settle. And uh, it's a lot more like political intrigue as they're setting up their new nations and finding new trading partners and stuff.
0: Can you tell me about your involvement with some of the online groups related to maladaptive daydreaming?
2: Um yeah, my involvement is I mean it's it's pretty extensive. Like I'm super active in the community. But it's more as um it's more as a community runner than like a a normal participant. So <laughs> So like I, I have to yell at people and delete offensive memes and <laughs> uh, and things like that. Once in a while, we try to organize, you know, some things for the community. Um, those mostly come out of a need. You know, someone asked us for something, um, or there's just there's just a void because MD is so new and it's awareness that a lot of things that exist for other stuff just don't exist for us. If you Google anxiety, you're gonna find 600 podcasts and. You know, 12,000 Discord channels and you know all this stuff, and you know and, and MD just doesn't have that. We have a few communities. We have the Subreddit, which I'm a moderator of. There are a few Discords. Um, I'm an admin on one of them on the bigger one. Um, there wasn't any podcast, and people kept asking about it, so we just made one. Like that's what we even the Discord. People on the Reddit started asking about Discord. I didn't know what Discord was. <laughs> so a, a lot of a lot of what i do is just to fill the void of that's there uh th- that's that's just that's how a lot of the stuff that we do is starting to get filled and right now um the void we're, we're at the point sort of in our awareness um that things are still scattered but people want things not to be scattered like we're at that point so um, working with some other people to build a website that is essentially just a resource hub. We want to get awareness days registered. So we put out a poll, there's a poll going around, um, just asking the community like, hey, like what week do you want? Do you want it to be an awareness week or a month? You know, what day? Uh, So we're just gathering data on that. And then when the results come out, but like (laughs) we're gonna go and try to like register it on, on every website that like keeps registries of those things. Nonprofit is probably the next step, although I don't have any of the skills to make that happen. Other people are trying to make that happen. To make that happen, I'm trying to be as helpful as possible, um, but it's not really something I can do. But yeah, that's that's my involvement. I would say it's mostly just filling up space and deleting crappy memes.
0: What do you hope that listeners of your podcast get out
2: of it? Um. Uh, <laughs> a deeper understanding of what they're experiencing by listening to others talk about it. Because when you're, are you a maladaptive daydreamer? I don't even know. I never asked. I'm not. I'm just interested <laughs> in <this> subject. <laughs> um, the subject. Because the weird thing is, maybe it's not weird anymore, but when maladaptive daydreaming, didn't hit the internet until you know like 2011 and I was already an adult by then who went my whole life and a nice little chunk of my adult life not having any idea what it was and even now you know I've been in the community a long time and every once in a while somebody will say something that just makes my whole life make sense. (laughs) It's still happening. It's still happening. It happens a lot the earlier you find the community because all these things that you thought were just you um, actually have this shared mechanism that a lot of other people are experiencing too. Things that you wouldn't have necessarily connected to the MD. Like some people don't even connect um, the pacing to it. Pacings um, really, really common in maladaptive daydreamers. And and people will come into the community because they found maladaptive daydreaming. And then they see like other people talking about pacing and they're like, wait, that has to do with my daydreaming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All these, all these weird things are connected to this one thing. And, um, and that's, I I think mostly just what we want to get out there. Like just the the variety, the variety of, of behavior and experience and perspective. And, you know, in our listeners, they might not connect with all of it, but every once in a while they're gonna listen to that one guest and they're gonna be like, holy crap, that's me.
0: What advice would you give to your younger self who is at the start of this journey?
2: Go out more. Cause I feel like, I feel like that's the thing that held me back the most was the social stuff. If I had kept relationships intact, if I had made real world connections to like hang on to, I practiced social skills like I wasn't I wasn't out during the years when you young person practicing the rest of your life you know I I wasn't learning how to speak to other people I was alone Uh, and I didn't have to be I had friends so (laughs) like if I were talking to my younger self I'd be like accept that invitation go out like just make real world connections and hang on to them even if they don't last, they're still important in, you know, building you as a person.:
0: Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Dr. Summer and Kristen Fitzgerald for joining me in this episode. If you'd like to find out more about maladaptive daydreaming, please check out Kristen's podcast, Parallel Lives, and check out the Maladaptive Daydreaming Center, which Kristen also helps run. And please join me for the next episode, where I will continue to share the testimonials of those who have MDD.